Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us for this time today. We hope that this message will encourage you, build your faith, and help you thrive with God and thrive in life. Now to the message. What is the least I can do? Today's title is, What is the Least I Can Do? Now, this is a, uh, I think, a dangerous question uh, when applied to any sort of relationship in your life. Friends, family, uh, spouse, someone on, on just random. What is the least I can do? What is the minimum I can do to get by? Maybe you've thought of that when you were going through school and you're like, you come up to the math test and it's like, okay, what is, yeah, what is the least I can do? Okay, I need to get a 54, 54 and I'll be good, right? Like, you, you, right? What is the least I can do? And there's an account in the Bible of a man who actually, he asked this very question, what is the least I can do? He asked Jesus, really, in, in other words, he said, what is the least I can do to get by so that I can just pass? What is the minimum? And uh, Jesus's response, I think, sets how us as followers of Jesus, how we get to walk and follow him, that uh, there's a way of Jesus. Now, we find this in Luke 10. Uh, We find a lawyer, an uh, an, uh, expert of religious law, um, and he comes and he challenges Jesus. He challenges Jesus. And uh, in Luke 10, Verse 25, here's what it says. In Luke 10, verse 25, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He, Jesus, said to him, What is written in the law? What uh, is your reading of it? And then it says, So he answered, the lawyer answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourselves. And he said to him, Jesus said to him, You have answered rightly, do this and you will live. And then it goes on, it says... Do this rightly and you will live. So he then, what, what happens is a lawyer, he is quoting Deuteronomy 6. He's quoting the Mosaic law saying, okay, this is how it, it, it is in the law. You shall love the Lord your God with all your mind, your heart, your will, um, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And he says you've answered rightly. And then in verse uh, 20, 29, it goes on. And the lawyer does this, but he, wanting to justify himself, said, and who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? I know I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself, but can we just be particular on this? Who is my neighbor? Like, who do I have to love and who do I not have to love? Right? Like, another way put is, what is the minimum I can do so that, um, that I can get by? What is the minimum I can do to get by? Have you ever done this before with, with God? Um, maybe like the lawyer there is justified. Like you say, God, you say forgive. I, 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 I read it there, God. You say forgive, but in what way do you mean it? You can't mean this person, right? And then you justify like, okay, they did this, 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 this. You can't mean them right. Or you, I, I see God, you say love, um, love people. But um, 
do you mind just putting the small print in there? Who am I supposed to love? Like, it can't be this person over here. Or maybe, okay, God, 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 I see you say everything that I'm supposed to do, I'm supposed to do unto the Lord. Everything? Like, what about the nine to five sort of thing? Like, you sure about that? Like, I don't really see it in scope of work, right? Or the dangerous one is, what is, uh, what is the minimum? We can apply that question, I think, to relationships. What is the minimum I can do to get by? Now, the lawyer asked Jesus this. He's, what is, what is the least I can do? What is the least I can do to still get past? And Jesus actually, from here, he doesn't like just answer his story, answer like straight on. He goes into a parable. He goes into a parable that actually many of us are very familiar with. Um, even people who, who do not follow Jesus are familiar with the term Good Samaritan. He goes into this parable, the Good Samaritan, which a parable is a story that illustrates kingdom principles and kingdom realities. And so he goes into this story in response to this lawyer's question of, what's the minimum I can do? And he goes into this story. And, and, um, and I think it's important as we read scripture, as you read even parables, to, to ask this question of yourself. Is to, as you're reading, who, is, who am I in the story? Sometimes you're not in the story, just FYI. Um, and then also, who is God in the story? So as you might have zoned out, as soon as you heard good, good, good Samaritan, you might have zoned out and you're somewhere else. You're thinking about, okay, how do I cook this pot roast? Um, you said it, it's already done. Don't worry about it. But can I ask you to just listen maybe with fresh ears and, and look at this with fresh ears, not coming at it if I've heard this before, but instead listen to fresh ears and listen for who am I? Who is God? And then what is he saying to this lawyer he's responding to? So then he goes into the parable. Uh, in 1030, he says this. Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down the road. And when he saw him, he passed by the other side. Likewise, a Levite when he arrived at the place, had come and looked and passed by the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he was journeying, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Now, everybody would have been like in the Jewish crowd when they said Samaritan, everybody went, because Samaritans were actually despised by, by, by the Jewish, by the Jews. They did not like Samaritans. So when they, when they heard this, they're like, okay, he's definitely going to pass by. Are you saying he's the robber? Like what's happening here? Plot twist. What's Jesus going to say? I bet he's going to steal whatever he has left. But Jesus goes on and he says, so he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and wherever you, uh, whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So the good Samaritan helped this man, brought him to an inn, fixed him up, 
This man was half naked, or half, he was naked, half dead, um, and he was robbed from. The priest didn't help him. The, the Levite didn't help him. But the good Samaritan helped him. And in verse 36, it says, so Jesus asked him, the lawyer, so which of these three do you, uh, do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among thieves? And the lawyer, he said, and he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Now, this is not just a nice story for morality. Like, it's not a story to encourage you as you're driving down Deerfoot that you see someone broken down and they're fixing a tire. I should help them. It's not just a story about that. It's probably a good idea to do that, but um, it is not just a story about uh, morality. This is actually a response to the lawyer's question, which is this. What is the minimum I can do? What is the minimum I can get by? And he goes into this story. He goes into this story. See, Jesus spoke at the time to in, within this story, this parable, to the past and also to what was coming. He spoke to the past and what was coming. For us today, it actually now speaks to our current reality and also sets how we get to live and how we get to do relationships. So who is God in this? Who am I in this? Spoiler alert, you're not the good Samaritan. Who am I in this? See, this is so much more than just a nice story. This is actually a picture of redemption. It is a picture of our redemption in Christ, God's salvation plan. See, in verse 30, it says, a certain man, a certain man. You could also give that man a name, Adam, the first man, mankind. And what happened? He fell among thieves. What happened in the garden? The thief came. The thief came, deceived him, stole from him robbed his authority, his position that God had given him. Then what happened is man and woman, it says in the Bible that they knew after that that they were naked. Why? Before that, they were clothed in the glory of God. But instead, the authority the glory, that was taken away, so now they realize they were naked. So this is a story about that. And leaving half dead. God said to Adam and Eve, hey, if you eat this fruit, surely you will die. But God, they didn't die. They actually lived on, and then they had dysfunctional family from there. Like, what happened? Well, they did. They died. They were half dead. When they ate the fruit, what happened is they were physically alive, but spiritually they died. Spiritually they died. So now they were left from the thief, the robber, half, uh, naked. They were stolen from, and they were half dead, spiritually dead. That's the story. Now, priests came by. A man, man could not help mankind's condition. Levites, the Levitical law, could not help uh, the, the man's condition. But a certain Samaritan, one that was despised by Jews, you could also say, who was despised by Jews? at the, Jesus. Jesus was the one who was despised by Jews. And, and that Jesus really is the good Samaritan in the story. You and I are the ones, mankind was the one who was left half dead, robbed, stolen from, and naked. 
But God was moved with compassion. God so loved the world that he gave. As familiar as that verse is for us, there is so much power in that verse. That God so loved the world that he gave his son. And what's amazing here is in verse 33, it says um, that uh, as he journeyed, came where he was. We didn't have to go to God. God in flesh, Jesus came to us. That he came to us and then and saw our condition. And then what happened is, is uh, poured oil. Verse 34, he poured oil and wine, a picture throughout scripture. Oil and wine is a picture of his spirit that brings healing, making all things new. And 35, I find this interesting, is he paid two denarii. A denarii at the time was like a day's wage. A day's wage. So when he gave one denarii, two denarii, and said, I'll come back, you could sort of assume that the good Samaritan was coming back on the third day. So it could be said, and what was he doing? When he was coming back on the third day, he would pay all the debt. He'd pay all the debt. There would be nothing remaining. So Jesus, what happened on the third day? He conquered death, conquered the grave, rose forever, paying everything for you and I. Debt is paid. This is what the story is about. So Jesus answering this lawyer's question of this, what's the least I can do? He answers this question with the most that's ever been done. He answers it with the redemption of mankind through Christ. That's what he answers. Answers with the max that has ever been done. And then he says this, go and do the same. So lawyer says, what's the minimum I can do? He says, here's the maximum that's been done. And go and do the same. Or put another way, you could very plainly say, is John 13, 34. John 13, 34, um, which says this. It says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. This is different than what that lawyer quoted. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, our love, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So we are to love the way that God has loved us. Not the minimum, but the maximum. Go and do likewise. Go and do this new commandment that I give you to love one another. The way that God has loved us, not the minimum I can do just to pass. Because Jesus, he gave the maximum. He put it all on the table, paid it all for us. The love of God, there is action. He was moved with compassion and he was willing. I, it, it just stands out to me where he says, and he came to where he was. There was inconvenience to that love. See, what is, when it comes to relationships, what is the min, I, minimum I can do is, is the wrong question. But really, why do we ask that? I think sometimes we ask that because we've been hurt in the past. We've been disappointed in the past. We've, uh, if I really just put it out there, I'm just going to get like beaten up again. And so then we can start thinking, what is the minimum I can do? Right? What is the minimum I can do? But really, that is a destructive question when it comes to relationships. It's a setup for destruction. 
You know, what is the minimum I can do to forgive this person or to love this person? Uh, what's the minimum I can do as a friend? What is the minimum I can do like as a spouse? What is the minimum I can do as an as a employee for this company? What, what's the minimum I can do for like church and church community? And I think we ask that question, we're missing what Jesus is saying. See, Jesus' statement through this parable, which is really the redemption story, sets a new question that I think we should ask. And it's this. What way is love going? What way is love going? What does the love of God set for me to do in this situation? Because the love of God is always going above and beyond. We see in 1 Corinthians 13, a definition of God's love. It's amazing. is love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Oh, I'm not number one. Um, it is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquities, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. This is the love of God that is set for us. And then in uh, 1 Corinthians 14.1, it says this. 1 Corinthians 14.1, it says, pursue love. Follow after love. And desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. But right there, pursue love. Sometimes you're in places where it's like, I don't know what way to go. I prayed. I've done everything. But then what way should I go? How should I treat this? How should I treat this person? How should I go about it? Pursue love. What way is the love of God going? Because, and, and if you're like, what way is love going? We can go back to 1 Corinthians 13. It says what, way, what the love of God is going. So when Jesus says, go and do likewise, love as I have loved, follow love. Love does not lead, the love of God, I don't believe leads to the minimum, but is actually above. Nothing about God's love is minimum, right? In Romans 8, 38, 39, uh, it's, it's my fa- favorite scripture. I love it is, for I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's the type of love. It is a pursuing. It is a relentless. It is a not giving up love. That is the love. It is, a, it is the go-to mile kind of love. It is love that overcomes and Jesus says, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. But how, how does this actually look like? Like, what's some practical examples here? Like, Sunday, it would be great, like, for an hour. Yeah, I want to pursue love. That's great. But how does that, like, actually look? What, well, what about this? What about when you're in an argument or, I don't know how you call it, a, a difference of opinion? Um, but, like, intense fellowship, yeah. Um, <laughs> And, and, and with your spouse, how, how would that look like? Maybe in st- uh, minimum would say, okay, what is the least, what, what can I say to exit out of this conversation? Like put this out really quick. Like how can I end this and say what they want to hear? Or on the flip side, how can I prove my point the fastest and beat them down, <laughs> right? Um, and win this argument. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not giving, that is, 
just so we're clear, that is bad marriage advice. <laughs> but what, what does love say? What does love set us out to do? Love endures. There's some endurance. It might actually require longer conversations. Ah, it's uncomfortable for me. Like, um, you know, harder conversations. Actually talking about the real thing. Maybe actually being humble. Not going in there and be like, I'm going to parade myself here. Of, I'm right. You're wrong. Right? And it takes time. There's some inconvenience there. Maybe at work, it's what is the minimum I can do to get by? Like, what is the minimum I can do to just go? But love says, how can I be a light in this place? How can, in my interactions, how can I honor God even through my company? And everything that I do, I'm doing unto the Lord. So how can I, what does love say? It goes, goes above. You know, Jesus, he says, in Matthew, he says that, hey, if you're asked to go one mile, go two. Now, that's just not like just a nice, nice thing of like, hey, do you want to go on a road trip with me? Come for a mile? Well, let's do two. It's actually, at the time, there was Roman law that, um, because they were, Jews, the Israel was occupied by Rome. And by Roman law, it was, if they said, hey, can you pick this up? Actually, they wouldn't say, could you? Pick this up. And it was law that you'd have to go a mile. And so Jesus says, hey, if you're asked or told to go a mile, go two. Go two. Go two. So actually go above what is required of you. Or... Another thing is, maybe is moving out, out of like, I deserve this. I deserve this. I don't know. It just, just grinds me a little bit. I deserve this. Uh, just Yeah, because since when have we been living as Christians on what we deserve? We've actually, we actually live in the grace of God. In what was not deserved, but given anyways. We're living in the fullness of what Christ has paid. We're not living by what we deserve. So why would we then in everything else believe, oh, I deserve this in this relationship. Or I deserve this in my work. Or I deserve this. Like, do you see how they disrespected me? Since when have we operated that way as Christians? We're called to hire, to operate in how God has. We've been extended great grace. We then can extend great grace. Not doing the min. I think love honors. Love gives time. Love is full of words, of encouragement. Love causes us to be inconvenienced at times. If we're following the love of God, it can cause us to be inconvenienced it's not the most convenient thing to do, to love, love with action. That's the type of love that God has. There's often, there's more work. The, the good Samaritan, he did a lot more work than the other guys who went across the street, just kept on going. It cost him something. And this is the way that Jesus has loved. And he says to us, go and do likewise. In our relationships, go and do likewise. In our marriages, in our friendships, in our workplace, in our church, in the random people that we come across, go and do likewise to be Jesus, to be like Jesus, the hands and feet of Jesus. In Mark 10, 45, it says this. Mark 10, 45, it says this. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus, he didn't come to be like, okay, come to me. He did say that, but not in the way I was saying, come to me and prove to me. No, he served us so that now we can come boldly before the throne of grace. 
Now we can have a relationship with him. So as followers of Christ, let's, let's follow his, his, the way he walked of to serve, not seeking to be served, to follow love. Can I encourage you today with this? To follow love. To follow love. Not, not asking, because it's easy, with hurt, with, if you live some life, there's, there's opportunity to be like, okay, what is the minimum I can do to get out of this or to just pass by? But instead, now what's the minimum I can do? But what is love doing? What way is the love of God going? And that will set your steps, how you get to act, respond, interact. And oftentimes, it'll be inconvenient. You'll have to go out of your way. It even cost you something. Maybe your time. Maybe some pride. But as you do, you'll be living, you'll be loving like Jesus. And I think it, it sets you up to have a, a great relationship with people in your life as you follow love and be like Jesus. Why don't you just close your eyes? We're going to just have a moment of prayer here. But maybe you're here today and you absolutely identify with, you've been hurt in the past in relationships, maybe by friendships, maybe by a spouse, maybe in work, maybe just someone walked across the street. But you've been hurt in the past and that has caused, that hurt has caused you to approach relationships of, what is the minimum I can do to get by? I believe God wants to heal that hurt right now in Jesus' name. If you're here today and just as an act of faith, just raise your hands and we're going to pray for just the Lord to bring healing to your heart. Those past relationships, those past hurts, those past wounds, so that you can live, love, and walk like Jesus. Father, we just come to you right now. We come boldly before the throne of grace in our time of need. Father, I thank you that you are the great healer, the great physician, your word says. That God, you heal hearts. Father, right now, I just pray that you would heal hearts where there's been hurt, where there's even been abuse, where there's been betrayal, Father, I pray that you would heal hearts so that we can reframe our questions. Not what's the minimum I can do to get by? But what way is love going? Father, I thank you right now that you're taking the pain, you're taking the hurt. And Father, I thank you that you fill it with your love, fill hearts with your peace, Father, even joy. Isaiah 43 talks about, don't remember the former things. Don't remember the things of past. Behold, I will do a new thing. You make roads 
in wilderness, rivers and desert. Father, I pray right now where there's hearts that are, have been dry or like a desert because of hurt, because of broken trust. Father, I pray right now that your spirit would just make a river, bring life refreshing to their heart. Father, I thank you that you're making a road in the wilderness where there's maybe the hurt and the pain has caused us, I don't know which way to go. Father, I pray for clarity today of the steps to take as we follow your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for the Thrive Church Podcast. We hope this message encouraged you, built your faith, and helped you thrive with God and thrive in life. We would love to see you on a Sunday soon, in person or online. You can get all the information at thrivecalgary.ca. If you would like to support a partner with Thrive Church financially, you can do so by going to thrivecalgary.ca and click the Give button. Know God is for you. We love you and have a great week.